What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and today I am joined by Chicago Sun-Times reporter Steve. No, I'm just joking. Annie Costable. <laughs> <laughs> Steve picked a great day to join uh, Chicago Sky Media, but Annie, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? You know, just another day in the life. Just a chill, quiet day in the life. Yeah, just nothing coming up. Everything just so chill, like we all anticipated heading into today. Um. I think everything is going exactly how we all expected it would in this 2022 playoff push. I think heading into game two, this is exactly what everyone predicted was going to be happening. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, if you don't have a sense of sarcasm, we were being sarcastic today was kind of nuts. That's why we decided to do a podcast today. So let's get into it in case you are wise enough not to be on Twitter. So today, you and I reported, Annie, that Kalia Copper endured a non-contact injury at practice. She went down grabbing her right ankle and had to be helped off the floor by two members of the training staff. She was in the training room for about like 12-ish minutes before merging. She was asked by her teammates if she was okay, and she said yes. So, you know, she, it's so tough because then she limped off the floor right after that and didn't take any questions from the media. So James Wade shut down any questions about her availability for tomorrow, and I want to get back to that. But let's talk about how you're feeling about where the sky are at now that Kalia may be limited tomorrow. And again, so the injury report came back clean on her end. I'm curious. I've got a lot of thoughts about that. But Annie, how are you feeling about the sky heading into tomorrow where we don't really know about cause status, but where you're at right now in terms of your confidence in them? Gosh, there's just so much to start with. Let's like start with game one. So confidence for this team going into game two without Kalia Copper is strained. My confidence is in question without Kalia Copper. If Kalia was the peak of health and, and just, or the picture of health, I think that's the saying, um, heading into game two down one wouldn't necessarily be of the utmost concern because I think this team has done well in response to losses. I don't think I know they, they didn't lose a single um, game back to back until, you know, 35 games into the season. And they just tend to play well with their backs against the wall, which is another thing that comes into question today. You know, following game one, James Wade said their backs were against the wall today. He said their backs are not against the wall. So facing elimination, their backs are in fact against the wall, whether anybody wants to say it or not, they need to win this game or, or they're done. Um, and without Kalia Copper, that's going to be really hard. And their injury report is clean, but I can only confidently report on things that I've seen. And today we saw firsthand Kalia go down and then limp back to the locker room. Now, you know, there's, there's still what, 12 hours before tomorrow's game. She can spend time working on it. All, all the things that a professional athlete could do and 
potentially be 100% tomorrow. But after witnessing what happened today, whether the injury report is clean or not, there's questions around whether or not she'll be fully ready to go tomorrow. One of the things that concerned me when the injury happened, when she was in the trainer's room, someone brought her ice instead of like a heating pad, which makes me think the severity of the injury could be worse, but I don't even want to speculate on that. Like I, you know, I don't want to wish Kalia any bad energy by saying something like that. But I mean, if I was a fan, I would be nervous for that type of injury, especially it being non-contact. And I think she grabbed her ankle, but she could have been grabbing her Achilles too. It was just like kind of in between those two things. So yeah, it was like a lower right leg ankle area grab, which also was a problem in game one. She went down after a block from Steph Dolson and was grabbing at that same area of her leg. And so that also brings into question the sky's clean injury report, because again, that was another scenario where we saw firsthand that she in fact, wasn't a hundred percent. She was dealing with a nagging something, something was bothering her. Um, I looked after the third quarter when, when she went down, like you and I saw that she got pancaked by Crystal Dangerfield and Stephanie Dolson. And it was like a blatant foul that wasn't called on the other end. So I just went back after today and I looked at the third quarter and just to see the sequence after that. And I think it's really interesting because in the third quarter, she, so after the timeout, she limped to the sideline. Um, so she was fine, but like she gets to the line immediately, gets fouled. Then she gets on the next possession and she gets to the line. She's tripped by Sabrina Inescu and falls hard. That and- was one of the hardest falls I've seen her take all year. It, it looked like a, a football play. Like she, it, it looked like Sabrina tackled her. It did. And she landed hard. And so then at, hard. At 427, she was closing out, I believe, on Sammy Wickham. But she was closing out. And then when she tried to recover, she like bounced up and like winced from it. And I, just, I didn't see live because, I mean, again, we were on the opposite side of the court. But then she grabs it, like she grabs down a rebound, passes it to Candace, finishes at the other end. I mean, I look at that play where she winced and I was like, man, I don't think I should make anything of this. But at the same time, it did make me think like, okay, this is already aggravated heading into game two. And then today happens. So maybe it's a good situation for the sky in the sense that she was already dealing with this. Maybe it just got re-aggravated even more. She can ice tonight and then be ready for game two tomorrow. But again, we just don't have that much information on it to know. And today, all I can say is that it looked really bad. Yeah. And the thing is the way Kalia plays, she takes contact, not a couple times a game, but almost every play down the floor. Most of it is going uncalled. The officials have done a terrible job all season officiating Kalia Copper specifically. You know, we know how she scores her points. She scores them in the paint. She scores them at the rim. And every single time she's taking contact. I'm not saying every single time is a foul necessarily, but the way they've called her all year has, has been trash, like trash. And that's not biased. That's just visual fact. And so when you consider that and what we saw today and what we saw in game one, 
it's fair to bring into question how much she's going to be able to play at that level, let alone, you know, at all potentially, regardless of what the sky's injury report says. Definitely. And the sky were already kind of not at a disadvantage, but in the first four games, they really used Kalia Copper on Sabrina Inescu because, you know, Ka is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. She, the physicality she plays with off the ball as well. I mean, she's just able to make life difficult for people in front of her. I wonder, I mean, now that Benajah Laney is now the assignment that Kazan and Sabrina is able to, you know, I mean, she's getting guarded by Courtney Vandersloot, who, by the way, is a terrific perimeter defender. She's had a lot of great instances this year um, showing that she's an above average defender, but Kalia Copper is a different person who, again, went, they were already kind of having to go away from their first, maybe, and maybe not the game plan, but just having Ka on Sabrina in the first four games when they went three and one, and then they went away from that because Benajalini is someone that can score at all three levels, which she showed the other day. Exactly. And yeah. so now this is like, to me, that is how I'm curious about how they respond with, I'm assuming that Rebecca Gardner would be the substitute without Kao. And what would you think it would be if she doesn't able to play? I tomorrow? mean, the other possibility obviously is their big lineup with Azure, Candace and Emma, but I don't know how that lineup handles Benaja and, you know, and, and defends Benaja. So I think that the most obvious answer is that they would go with Rebecca Gardner as a starter, if Kalia is potentially, you know, not able to play tomorrow or is, is playing, is, is playing in a limited capacity. And Rebecca obviously is a great defender too. You know, she's had yeah. an incredible year this year, but there's just no substitute for Kalia Copper and not only in what she produces on the court on both ends, but like the team has talked about all year her energy. She is the energy behind this team's success. And that is, is significant, especially when you're facing a elimination game. It's going to be fascinating tomorrow. And I'm going to make you give me your prediction at the end of this podcast. But so we got to talk about what James Wade said today, because I thought that it was something that this team didn't really necessarily need right now. And so let's just start at the top of it. I mean, so you asked that question to James, like, how is, is Copper available to play tomorrow? James said, nothing is wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. We're fine. You followed up and said, well, I mean, we saw her go down. So obviously James interrupted and just said, she's fine. Um, Steve from the Sun-Times also like, followed up and said, does that mean you expect her to play tomorrow? James said, nothing happened. And I forget who said it, but like the other next reporters say, well, we saw something happen. James said, we are fine. And another reporter asked, so we expect, so do you expect her to play tomorrow? And he said, we are fine. So, so with James, a lot of people on Twitter were just like, why would you respond this way? I think that to a certain degree, I kind of understand the response, just not the way that he went about it. Like, he should have shut down the question to just being like, we, she, this just happened. You all saw it happen 10 minutes ago and we don't know, have any information. We're going to get an MRI on it. We'll let, we'll figure it out tomorrow. But instead of just shutting it down and pretending that like 
and pretending that it didn't happen, that makes, especially after he had been in the training room with her moments before, I think that was just a move that really gave him some attention that he didn't need or attention that shouldn't have been on the team at all. But what did you make of that, especially since you were asking the questions in the moment along with Steve? I mean, where was your head at when that was going on? So, I mean, at the end of the day, like everyone's just doing their job, right? And coaches, players all do their job differently. You know, you talk to this coach in this league and they may hand, they may answer a question like it this way. You talk to another coach in the same league, they might answer it the opposite way. You talk to a coach in the WNBA, they, they respond this way. Like everyone has a different way of responding. All I know for certain is where my head was at in that situation. And when you get a response from anyone, whether it's James Wade, Candace Parker, Emma Miesemann, whoever it is who responds to you and says nothing happened when you visually saw something happen as a reporter, that's obviously a response that requires a Mm follow-up, which James was not interested in responding to. And he doesn't have to, he can do his job however he wants to do his job that he is the coach, he's the GM, he can do his job however he wants to do his job. But me doing my job, when you, when you, that's the response, it blows the door wide open for follow-ups. And if he didn't want a follow-up, then again, only from my perspective, that obviously wasn't a response that didn't warrant a follow-up if that makes sense you know so I just think that responding saying nothing happened when when literally the room of us saw exactly what happened just put him in a position to to have to answer a follow-up which he did by saying we're fine repeatedly and he can say that he can say that all he wants but it, it just, it opens the door up again for follow-ups and for people to bring into question how fine you really are. Whereas if the response was, again, what you said where, oh, you know, we're going to have to look into it and just go, you know, just checking on her in, in the room. She, she said she's doing fine, but, but we'll have an update soon. Then we can transition into, you know, questions about the game or questions about game two. But that situation just for me to do my job, that's how I had to do my job. And so some of these responses on Twitter, um, which social media is just all the drama. We know that it, that's what it's there for. But just in regard to James Wade and the reporters doing their job, everyone was just doing their job. I wasn't offended. I hope James Wade wasn't offended by questions that obviously were warranted. That's it. That's that's the end of it to me, at least. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, when people were going after James online, and I, you're right. I mean, social media is just this cancer. I mean, that some maybe. people even went after me and were like, "Why would the reporter ask this question?" And I was like, "Yeah, what? made no sense." Made no. I was like, in what world would you not? That's your, literally your job. You see someone go down with an injury. What did you want me to ask? 
Exactly. And like, I only use Twitter as a reporting tool to get stuff out. Like I exactly. said that I, that Kalia Copper went down. So then to, had to get the head coach's response up, you know, because people imagine their imaginations get carried away when they see things. And 100%. And I just think that in a situation like this with your back against the wall. Um, and I really, it really does feel that way for the sky for things that we've talked about, even with the contract situation that's looming that, I mean, that's everyone's on, on top of everyone's mind, but. I mean, I, I really, also just have to say not only with contracts looming, but with the contracts that these present, these players presently sign. And I got to plug the sun times for a second, yeah, yeah. but that I just wrote a story about that. This group of players signed contracts, sacrificed a lot of money to come back to repeat. And obviously there are things that are way beyond your control, but game one was in your control. This team did not take nearly 60,000 less for, for Allie, you know, 5,000 less for Sloot. Um, Copper left money on the table as far as um, the core tag goes. They didn't do that to get handed, um, you know, a round one exit by the seventh seeded Liberty. And because you lost game one, that's the position you put yourself in. Exactly. That's That's fact. Exactly. And that's why I just feel like that response. And again, who am I to determine what's right and wrong? I mean, again, if this works for James and this fuels him up for like, again, us against the world, which has worked since 2019, I would, I guess, understand it from that end, but it does seem this is like a, the situation is going to be intense given what you just outlined with the contracts, given the, how meaningful it'd be for this franchise to win back-to-back titles and raise itself even higher on the hierarchy of top WNBA franchises. I just think that this wasn't the thing you needed to draw attention to necessarily. And maybe he would be like, well, you're the one that posted it. So you're the one that drew attention to it. But since that is our jobs to report on what happens, like it just, I wish it wasn't as messy as it was, but, and we're running a little low on time. So we got to talk about game two for one quick second, because after a situation like this, like I, I'm curious where your head is at for game two. Like, do you feel like the sky are able to extend the series and bring it back to Brooklyn? <laughs> so here's the thing. And what the fuck do I know? Excuse my language, but what the fuck do I know? I'm not a professional basketball player and I'm certainly not James Wade. I would never pretend to be. I I never would, but my opinion, you asked for it without Kalia Copper with Benajah Laney back in that lineup. Tomorrow's going to be a hard game. And the thing is they shouldn't even have been in this situation. If they handled game one, like they should have. And Kalia has this just completely bizarre injury take place at practice then you're considering, okay, we might have to force a game. We might have to win this in Brooklyn, but we can do that. Now the men, the, now your backs are against the wall. You have, you have no option, but to win this game and you have to do it without your leading scorer, your energy, the, the, the most significant player on the, on the court, 
quite frankly. And I don't see them doing that if Kalia can't, isn't, isn't full, isn't, isn't able to play to her full capabilities. I think that, you know, they struggled as it was in game one and you take Kalia Copper out of that. And I think it just puts them way behind the eight ball. Is that the saying? I don't even yeah. know what the saying really means, but. <laughs> no, that's the right saying. And I agree with you because the defense and offense that you lose without her on the floor is significant. And Rebecca Gardner is one hell of a player to be able to replace Ka with. But at the same time, just watching that fourth quarter again, anytime the offense stalled, they just gave the ball to Kalia and she would go downhill, get fouled, just make something happen. And when you take away that type of person, okay, you have someone like Courtney Vandersloot who has done the same thing this season, even late in the fourth quarter. Like, okay, that's a substitute for that. But the energizer bunny type energy that Kalia Copper has, you can't replace that. That is something that they clearly feed off of even going back to the finals last year, that's all we heard about. It's just like we feed off of Ka. So I, I have think a feeling I will that, say though, I think that it's possible. I'm just yes. giving you like my 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 prediction without Kalia, this is what I think happens. What I will say yeah. is I think it's very possible for them to pull it off. I think in order to for them to pull it off without Kalia, they need a big game from Rebecca Gardner defensively. They need another 16 plus point game from Azure and they need Dana Evans to come off the bench and drop threes. Like we saw in game four of the 2021 WNBA finals. So it's possible, but I think it's going to be really, really hard. I'm with you. It's definitely possible when you, I mean, it's possible when you have Vander Quiggs, Emma Meesem and Azure Stevens, Candace Parker, Julie Alman, Dana. I mean, this is a capable group and New York has also been really inconsistent this year, even with the injuries. I don't think right. that necessarily is. Um, I don't think that is the end all be all necessarily where we just think that what we saw yesterday or what we saw a couple of days ago is the exact version of the Liberty we're going to see in game two, but we're going to find out Annie. I know you got to go right now and super got to go see you. the nieces where I'm having a movie night with the little babies. Love that. Absolutely love that. Hope you get to see some fun Pixar movies that uh, my nephew just cannot get over. I think we're watching Sing 2, which I, I've i never <laughs> seen. I've never seen Sing 1. So Very we're popular. Gonna, we're we're going to get into it. The girls <laughs> said it was great. So listen, I'm a, I'm a believer in whatever Lordy and Laurent tell me. <laughs> there you go. And uh, we'll see if Skytown believes in the sky tomorrow at games at 11 a.m. Um, Annie, I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of our show. If you want to support us, you can always do so by, one, contributing financially. You can Venmo us at the Skyhook Podcast or just rate and review the show. Take a couple minutes if you enjoy our work. It always helps to have some juice in the ratings and reviews. So we appreciate everyone who's done that so far and anyone who else is interested in that, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find us on social media by checking out the episode description that has all of that lovely information. And another huge shout out to Annie 
for taking some time before seeing her nieces to talk with me about what happened today. You know, I think there's a lot that is at stake, but I hope that Skytown, you all are keeping the faith because we all know what happens when everybody is doubting this team. I don't know if everyone is necessarily doubting this team, but you can feel some of that doubt after game one. And I hope you all are able to enjoy tomorrow because this is a special group of players that, man, I think this might be the best constructed sky team ever assembled. And it is something that I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And I I'm going to try to appreciate it as much as I can because I didn't do that last postseason, honestly. Like, I had really thought that I was done with journalism at the time, dealing with a lot of health problems, and lucky to be in this position where I'm able to report on this team because I love it more than anything in the entire world. And yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you all. And, um, I hope you have fun tomorrow. Thanks for tuning into another edition of the show. And until next time.